He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Sam is back with us in studio this week here at the 73rd Hole compound. And boys, the three wood falling from the heavens to land and come to rest two feet Eight inches from the hole, Hideki Matsuyama, three-wood god in Hawaii. Five shots back at the turn. First playoff hole, one of the sickest shots I've ever seen. I have probably watched it no less than 50 times. It was incredible. Colby, stop changing the subject. Let's talk about the Cowboys, baby. Come on. Cowboys didn't play yesterday. Cowboys didn't play yesterday. Cowboys. Cowboys didn't. I'll tell you this. (laughs) What what about the game before the Cowboys? Mike McCarthy was incredibly (laughs) impressed with Russell Henley's ability to close. Mike McCarthy was really impressed with the way Russell Henley played the 18th. It was bad. It was real bad. Let's talk about that golf. What an unbelievable shot by Hideki. But first, I think we have to talk about how Russell Henley... Sneaky choke. I mean, it was a sneaky choke. I think that down the stretch, especially on the back nine, on the front nine, he didn't miss one fairway. On the day yesterday, in round four off the tee, he only gained .2 shots on the field off the tee. I don't know how you can possibly hit a three-wood into that right bunker twice on 18. It seemed like he was trying not to lose the golf tournament, and Hideki was trying to win the golf tournament. And guess what? Hideki won the golf tournament, right, T-Dub? And, and as far as Hideki goes, big onions on the tee, on the tee shot, both tee shots, even though he dialed it back in the playoff after uh, – Henley hit it in the right bunker, still put it in the fairway, and then hit one of the greatest three woods you can ever hit. When he when he hit it, and and he looked at his caddy like, where'd it go? If I'm the caddy, I'm like, uh, yeah, Hideki, I think you might have freaking made it. You know, I mean, what an unbelievable shot, right, Tito? It was flat out unbelievable. And let's here's one thing, notice, guys, we're going we're going to talk about the three wood, how great it was. I mean, he hit it to what inside three feet from two seventy seven. Yeah, it was two feet eight inches is where it settled. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn impressive. <laughs> I mean, and at the end of the day, you look in here too. The thing that I'm going to notice from it, Hideki freaking made putts this week. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. made putts. One point eight two strokes gain on the field. Next best, obviously, was Henley at uh, at one or that's of the people that made the cut. Obviously, some people were a little higher who didn't make it. But nevertheless, yeah, I mean, one point four seven for Henley going all the way up to one point eight two for Hideki. Pretty telling. But yeah, I think to even to set up what he did on the the seventy second hole, being able to hit that drive and put it. What was he two oh. 210 from the hole. Really didn't even hit that good of a second shot in theory. Probably fairly average when you look at the grand scheme. He hit it to, what, 45 feet or something like that. But he was able to put himself in position and put himself in. I'm not going to make any worse than birdie here. So, Henley, if you want to go out and if you want to uh, birdie and go ahead, we're going to go ahead and move on. But, like you said, Sam, he hit it in the bunker twice. And you just can't do that. They said it's the hardest fairway to hit on tour, so I understand that. But take less than damn three wood. Hit I, a two iron or three wood, or not three wood, three iron, whatever you got. Now, Colby, tell me if you agree but to me, I saw Henley start to get a little tighter and start guiding it, really especially after Hideki made that long birdie putt and then on number 14, and then Henley missed, and it, and it, ten, 
that turned it into what a one shot lead for Henley, and I felt Henley's just get super tight to me. It, it seemed like he was guiding it. Yeah, the back nine for Henley was eight pars, one bogey. The bogey was on eleven. It was a par three. It was a hole that Hideki birdied, so that was a two shot swing after Hideki had just birdied number ten. So he's got a five shot lead at the turn. He walks off the 11th green with a two-shot lead, and I think at that moment he tightened up because then we saw him miss the fairway at 12. We saw him miss the fairway at 13. We saw him miss the fairway twice at 18. Um, he, he just he played average golf, and average golf is fine. You know, After average playing golf is, unbelievable golf. Oh, though. my God. The front nine was unreal. 29 on the front. Whenever <laughs> he came in with a two-shot lead, it was ridiculous. But then, I mean, it's hard, hard to win golf tournaments and you, you just don't win golf tournaments by making pars on the back nine on Sunday anymore. You don't. Guys are going to come chase you down. Hideki goes 63-63 on the weekend. And if it's anybody else chasing Russell Henley, you know, he's fine. But Hideki went nuts on that back nine with four birdies, no bogeys, and then he eagles the playoff hole. I mean, that's over the last 10 holes. He plays them six under. And Russell Henley, if you include the bogey in the playoff hole, plays them two over. I mean, yeah, Henley had a big lead, but he gave it all away. I, I do think it was a sneaky choke because it's not like he finished with four bogeys in a row, Adam Scott style, but he just didn't do anything to win the golf tournament. He was just hoping that he had done enough on the front nine, and he hadn't. One more thing I want to bring up is that we haven't brought up yet is the fans on 18. They had to clear out number 18. I mean, how is the security so bad that you know Hideki has already hit the green in two Russell Henley basically has to make a 15-footer to, you know, basically win the golf tournament. Not basically, to win the golf tournament. And there's fans circling the green, fans in the bunkers. You have to re-rake all of the bunkers. How ridiculous is it? Imagine, imagine a guy, a guy has a free throw to, to tie or to win the, win the basketball game. And, and there's fans at half court, and you got to clear off the court. That would never happen. That's ridiculous to me. You got to blame the volunteers, don't you? Here's the thing. I don't mind the fans coming out and creating the arena on the 18th green if you're certain that the tournament is going to end on the 18th <laughs> green. If we're not sure if we're going to have to play that hole again, maybe we shouldn't let a 1,000 people come out and trample down the rough and get in the bunkers and be all over the fringes. It's... <laughs> I, I thought it was really strange that they allowed people to come out there knowing that there was a good chance that they're going to have to play that hole again in 10 minutes. I, I thought it was really weird because, I mean, you could get lies trampled down around there if the bunkers don't get raked back just perfect. Again, the arena is cool if a guy's got a fort like Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson's got a multiple-shot lead with a 15-footer right. for birdie. The tournament's over. That was cool. Doing it whenever you're about to have to play that hole again. Even then, it still makes cool. me nervous, though. Yeah. I'm like, man, imagine if they did four putt. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, but Tito, give me your thoughts on that. But I also want to hear your thoughts on the Russell Henley putt to win in regulation. I thought he read the putt right. I thought it just didn't have enough pace. Yes, I think that – I because going back to that putt, I think – because we said it perfectly. You did, Sam. Where you're playing late in the afternoon. on the, You're the last group on Bermuda greens. The greens are going to be bumpy. If you hit a putt with dying pace, it's more than likely going to hit a bump, and it's going to go out of there. And, and, you know, here's what I think about because I'm – like, for example, my dad was the only person in our one-and-done pool to have Russell Henley, so I was hearing all about it and talking about how close his putt was on 16, how his close his putt was on 18. And here's what I have to say to that. Hideki's putt was just as close on 16, and he missed it. 
and I'm looking through here, Hideki. He made a seven. He made a seven footer on ten. He made a twelve footer on eleven. He missed. He missed a twenty two footer on thirteen. He missed an eleven footer on fourteen. Made an eighteen footer on fifteen. Uh, the putt he missed on sixteen, like I mentioned, was seven feet. And then he essentially two putted on eighteen. So I get that people are thinking that that Henley missed these putts and had such a chance to go in. Hit it closer. That's my opinion. Hideki was hitting shots close, and he he missed an eleven footer, missed a twelve footer in there. Well, that's but he what also happens. made putts. Too. That's what happens when you hit a three wood into a fairway bunker twice. Well, and it wasn't even just that. The lies that Russell Henley was getting in the rough after he was missing the fairway yeah. were just brutal. Lot you've got to hit those fairways, and I mean, yeah, that lead started to go, and then he got tight, and he started aiming it and trying to guide it, and it was all over the place. I mean, he. Off the tee to me on that back nine, I think, is where Russell Henley lost the golf tournament. Another, real quick, another interesting thing about Hideki's shot the, to two feet eight inches that uh, Brandel Chambly brought up last night. He said, if you go back to Friday on 18, Hideki literally almost hit the exact same shot, literally the exact same reaction, like where did it go? And he hit it up to like 10 feet with a three wood. So it was like he's foreshadowing. Because he's one of the best – Long game players out there. I mean, when you you think about three wood long irons hybrids, he's one of the best, maybe the best. But going back to the point that you mentioned earlier, Kobe, about Henley on eleven, that's one of the worst shots you can hit when you have a lead. He oh, short sided himself mm-hmm. in yeah. a bunker. He had no chance to get that close. He actually had to make a five footer for bogey because he had such a horrible par putt. Can't miss. He it almost had there. a three shot swing on that hole. That hole is when the nerves really showed up. That's when they really showed up, and I didn't think they ever went away. If you you can miss three times. As far, but if you miss it on the other side of the green, you're going to make par. Yeah, because yeah. you have that yeah. much green to work with. Yeah, you're absolutely no, right. Looking back on it, I, do, I totally agree that that's where the nerve showed up. But to me, like, he had played so well, I kept thinking, there's birdie chances coming down the stretch. I still think Hideki needs some, some breaks to win this one. So when he made that birdie putt, when Hideki made that birdie putt on 14 is really when I saw Henley, when, when I thought that Hideki was actually going to win, and I saw Henley really reeling. Down the stretch. And so, here, I brought up how far Hideki was on some of his putts. So, I'm going to go through and list off how close Henley was on the following stretch to show that it was really the ball striking that did him in, not his putting. So, missed a 15-footer on 12. You're going to make 15-footer 20% of the time, if that. Uh, didn't hit the green on 13. Uh, didn't hit the green on 14. But both holes where he missed in the fairway and was in deep Bermuda rough. I, I, yep. You don't want to be there. And he probably missed – I know he missed some of them with three woods. He, he, I don't yes. know if he hit driver on some of them, but I know on a lot of them he hit uh, three. At 15, he hit it to 17 feet. Missed. You're not going to make a 17 footer that much. The putt that I keep hearing about on 16, he was 16 feet. You're not going to make that that often. He hit it to 24 feet on 17. Then we know about oh, also, 18, he hit it to also, 10 feet. You're Hideki, not even 50% from 10 feet. Hideki had the same lip out on 16 that Henley had, maybe even worse. From closer. From closer. So maybe even worse. The putter is not what did Russell Henley in. It was the ball striking, particularly off the tee, got him in big trouble on 11, big trouble on 13 and 14, and big trouble both times on 18. You just, you have to give yourself a chance to go for that green and two. And it's like you said, taking three wood there wasn't giving Russell Henley any advantage because he's not hooking it around the corner. If you're not hooking it around the corner, you're not even really getting closer to the hole by taking the angle that he took off 18T. Just take one less club, hit it on the exact same angle, and you'll be in the middle of the fairway trying to do what Hideki did with a wide open shot. Worst case scenario, you get it up greenside in two, and you try to get it up and down like Kevin Kisner did, like Seamus Power did. You know, these guys that were birdieing the 18th, it's just you, you can't hit the ball off the tee the way Russell Henley did on the back nine and in the playoff and expect to win that golf tournament. I totally agree, and some people might ask, why has Russell Henley not won more, 
number one, and why is he not considered, you know, a Ryder Cup pick or, or that caliber of player? And I'll tell you why right now. It's because his notable leads on the PGA Tour, not including yesterday, the tw- or since the beginning of even last season, he's played some good golf but hasn't been able to finish it off. At the 2020 CJ Cup, three-stroke lead after 54 holes, tied for third. 2021 U.S. Open, 54-hole co-leader, tied for 13th. 2021 Wyndham Championship, four-stroke lead after 36 holes, tied for seventh. And then yesterday, obviously, had a five-shot lead and blew it. It's hard to win, and some guys fight it more than others. We saw Tony Finau do it for a long time. Russell Henley is fighting to win right now, and and he he just cannot break through where he needs to. I'll say this. It was still a really good week for Russell Henley because... Russell Henley moved up from number 56 in the world to number 40 in the world. And as we all know, and as we talked about with Taylor Gooch uh, a couple of times whenever we've had him on, top 50 is a very big deal. Top 50, you're setting your own schedule. You're in all the WGCs. You're in all the majors. It was still a very big week for Russell Henley. And if he can continue to play good golf and parlay this into a good season, then we'll see Russell Henley maybe at some point break through and win. But getting into the top 50 was still a very big deal for Russell Henley. Well, and Sam, I was looking at my computer. You may not mention this. Did you bring up the short... the choke he had at the at the Wyndham when he was almost in that seven way playoff yep. at there. So I mean, I mean that that was the one of the worst chokes I've ever seen. And so you know, I'm going into it here. I saw uh, I was watching uh, the Pat McAfee show the other day, and Steve Smith mm-hmm. was on there, and he said something that was really true. I want to get y'all's opinion on this. He says losing is like smoking; it leaves a stench even if you don't realize it. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's I like what's that. happening with Russell Henley. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I you so. keep choking like it's going. I'm, 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 people get mad at saying choke. It, it is what it is. And so I think you keep doing this. Like we saw it on 18. Look, look at Hideki. Right, the first time he played the hole, he had his drive 338 yards, and he had 210 in. He hit it what 250 or whatever the next time because he had 277. That's not that that good of math. It's a little more 280 or whatever. So, but nevertheless, Hideki had so much more room between him and the bunker that Henley hit it into. So there's. Lay back, hit a five iron, and then you can have two eighty in and hit it to the front of the green and have an easy birdie. I don't. Colby, the, the, the logic of the club makes no it, sense. It doesn't make, and it doesn't make sense that he pulled it a second time right. after he hit it there the first time. It doesn't make sense. The only thing I can think of is that you have adrenaline, so you hit it five yards further, but you got to take that in consideration. Yeah, but if you're especially going, especially the second yes, time, especially the second time, if you're going first on that tee box, you have to hit driver. To me. Put the pressure on. In the playoff? Yes. I mean, Henley doesn't move it right to left, so I don't even mind the choice of not hitting driver. You just can't hit the same club into the same bunker that you just hit in regulation. If you're going to miss the fairway, at least hit driver. At least look like a man. Boom. Back to your point about uh, Henley not being able to finish. Colby brought up a point last week about Cam Smith that you have to choke before you can breathe. Well, yeah. when is Russell Henley ever going to breathe? I mean, it takes some guys longer than others. It really does. And and I do think, because again, getting safely into the top 50 is going to allow Russell Henley a lot more opportunities. I would be shocked if Russell Henley doesn't win a golf tournament this PGA Tour season. But man, I mean, this is getting to the point where he's building up some scar tissue. And look, this... Yeah. this Russell Henley's round yesterday is the number one reason why I do not think you should play golf with a score in mind. You think Russell Henley would have started the day yesterday and said, if I shoot 65, you think I'm going to win? Probably, probably yes. would have said yes. Yeah. Okay, th- okay, then you ask him after he plays nine holes, if you shoot 65, are you going to win? He probably would have said no because he would have shot one over on the back nine. Yeah. That's why you don't go into a round with a score in mind. It doesn't work out. And, so and when you shoot six on the front, what are you going to do? Although some of the greatest players of all time have done that. 
I Phil, know, Mickelson, I, I, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, they do it all the time. Jack Nicklaus did it, it too. It depends I, I'm if, just saying that that is why I don't agree with them. it. It depends if, you know, if you're one of these guys, like if Russell Henley would have came out yesterday and said the number that I have in mind is 63. If I shoot 63, nobody can beat me. Okay, well, that's a number that you know you're going to go sick low and nobody See, can beat you. But, but that's a different, that's not the mindset that Phil and Tiger take into it. Before the round, what I've heard, I've never heard him say a number really less than sixty-five or than sixty-seven, right? And, and unless that they just have to shoot a number on Sunday, right? And so, like I've heard Phil many times say, it's a par sixty-nine for me, but you know, as far as the par fives go, but there's some easy par fours. I need to shoot a 67 on this course to give myself a chance on Sunday. Well, I also think that there's a big difference between Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicklaus. I think there's a big difference between those guys saying this is the number that I need to shoot to win because those guys have a feel for what it takes to win golf tournaments. So if Tiger tells you, I need to shoot 67 today to win, there's a good chance that Tiger has taken everything into account with the field, with the course, with the conditions, and Tiger knows 67, I'm going to be hoisting a trophy. Guys who aren't winners, and Russell Henley is not a winner right now at this point in his career, those guys don't have that same feel for winning. And you might so be on to a, a good point different. because we saw Bryson try to do it at Augusta, a place that he's one of the <laughs> only places that he struggled, and he goes into it with a number in mind, clearly yeah. whether he tells us or not. He said he kind of stopped doing that. I don't believe him. I no, still he, think he, he has went that in with number, number in, in mind. Head. Yeah, yeah, and he and he struggled there, but he hasn't won there yet. Right. So that's a good point. And and look, I don't. It's hard to say anything bad against against Tiger, but here's just some points because you brought up a good point there, Colby. If if you have the lead like Tiger did numerous times, you got to say you're going to shoot 67. There's not going to be that many people going to come and chase you because like we brought up how many ever times people did not. were intimidated by Tiger. Mm-hmm. No yeah. one's intimidated by Russell Henley. <laughs> I know this. And and here's another point. There's a reason Tiger did not took him so long to come back and win a major from from behind to win not not the eleven years but like he never let he never won a major while not leading the round right I think there's a reason behind that you tell yourself you got to shoot a score in mind you press too hard I or will, then or then you get although, five under through five holes then what do you do although, oh I'm just gonna par in although I will say that the harder thing to do is play with the lead than play from behind but but my point being there is that there's less people going to come up and catch him because he's more into it's Tiger Woods. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's dependent on person. And I also think that you need to be able to evolve mid round. You know, Russell Henley goes six under on the front. Well, now 64 is not a very good score for the round. You, you have to be able to evolve at the halfway point. As far say, as trying to win the golf tournament. As far as trying to win the golf yeah. tournament. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, if you go out and you're, uh, you're, you're playing in the NFL and your goal is like, look, if we can hold the Chiefs under 17 today, then we are in good shape. Yeah. Well, if you're up 10 nothing going into the fourth quarter, you don't now want to go give up 17 points. Yeah. Your goals evolve, right. and I think that it kind of needs to be the same way with golfers mid-round. Speaking of world golf rankings and what happened uh, to, to the guys this weekend at the top, Hideki Matsuyama, top 10. Cameron Smith, congratulations to you, kind sir. You got to spend all of one week inside <laughs> the top 10 before Hideki gave you the boot. Hideki moves from 19th to 10th in the world. Victor Hovland from 6th down to 7th. And Taylor Gooch moves up from 32nd to 31st, his highest world golf ranking he of his career. He also in, stayed in second place on the FedEx Cup. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Behind Hideki Matsuyama yep. because Hideki has turned into a winning machine. That's his second win of the season now, because he won Zozo, which is part of this PGA right. Tour season. So now let me ask you guys. We, we did the 2021 preview show, and we talked a little bit about Hideki, but we said... The putter needs to roll for him to win a bunch on tour. It was rolling this week. Is it going to continue? 
I, I think it will. I don't know how much we'll see him, quote unquote, win this year. I, I still going to go on the trend of I don't think he's going to. I don't think he'll win a major. Um, may win a World Golf Championship. I think he'll win. He'll win at least one more time this year, maybe so twice. Three win season. That's pretty damn good. Damn good. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you guys. I don't. Like I said, I don't think he's going to win at there, but he's got to be a good look at Southern Hills, ain't he? Oh, yeah. he's got to be a great, great play at Southern. Southern seems like it would fit Hideki. Ball striking, bent greens, pure fast bent greens. By the way, oh, did y'all see the yeah. uh, drone video that they took on Friday in Tulsa of number six green at Southern Hills? I thought you were going to say of the volcano. Uh, no, that was also pretty the, cool. The one in uh, by New Zealand, yeah, no. one by Fiji, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tonga no. or whatever. So yeah. Southern obviously I, has I their, saw this video. They've as well, got though. their sub air system, so they can control the temperature of the greens, the moisture of the greens, everything exactly what they want to. It snows in Tulsa on Friday a little they, bit. They take a drone. Yeah, I mean, there's there's yeah. it's a dusting. There's a quarter inch of snow on the ground, but the ground is white. And number six green at Augusta, they fly over with a drone. Perfect no, green. Southern, 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 pardon me. <laughs> probably at Augusta, too. They have yeah, this probably same, at Augusta. Yeah, they have this same sub-air system at Augusta. Augusta was the first ones. And as far as number six green at Southern Hills was concerned, it was a sunny 70-degree day in Tulsa. <laughs> and there's snow all around the green. The sub-air stuff is just incredible. So Well worth the investment, in my opinion. Yeah, I like Hideki at Southern. Uh, by the way, he's won twice this PGA Tour season. He also won the Masters in April. That's three wins now for Hideki in the last, uh, what, nine months? Nine and a half months, three wins for Hideki, What's including a Masters and a Zozo, which, remember, for him is a bigger deal than it would be for yep. anybody else in the world. So what's the over-under? We're sitting here in January right yeah. now, and he already has two wins. What's the over-under right now for wins for Hideki <sighs> on the season? He said that he thinks he'll win one more, but what would Vegas put the odds at? Vegas. How many more times? Over? Vegas would either put the over-under at one or at one and a half, because if you put it at .5, so I think everybody think, takes the over. I think he wins two more times this year. I would agree. So, so when we say this year, because like we're counting the Zozo as this year, so it'll be Tour Championship through the Tour Championship through the Tour Championship. Yeah, I'll I think say, he wins I'll two more times. I'll say one more. I'll say one more. Waste management. He just waste management could be next month. He's won there twice. Any majors, Colby? Uh, I mean, if he does, I think Southern Hills would be would be the spot. I um, so. Brookline's a good pick too. I'll probably say no on the majors because I mean it's so. I think hard. Augusta's a pretty decent opportunity. And nobody goes back to back at Augusta. It's nobody damn goes hard. back to back. You just all the media obligations he's going to have yeah. that week. Everything he's gonna, I just and it's going to be so extra hard. extra media for him from yes. being from Japan. Yeah, yes. it's so, going to be so, overlord. So yeah, so I'll I'll say twice more. Uh, Phoenix would be a good contender. I mean, one one of the playoff events. It's just he really has figured out how to win. He he went what four years without one, and then he's got three in nine and a half months now. Yeah, I mean he figured it out. So I, I think the safe guess would be one. I think it would be a safer guess than saying zero that he's going to win again this season. Here's my I, question. I, I would be surprised if he didn't win again. Here's my question. He's currently ranked 10th in the world. The highest of his career is is two. He was ranked second, I believe it was back in 2015. He was second-ranked player in the world. Um, I know he's only ranked 10th now, and he was ranked second at one point. Is he playing the best golf of his career right now? You'd have to well, say it's pretty close. I mean, he's won twice already this season. I mean, the There's year, probably a way to figure that out. Let's the, look at the old analytics. The year he just ran over everybody like a train at Firestone. was, was I, He was playing good golf at that point in his career. While he's looking up the analytics, can we talk real quick, Colby, about how Hideki Matsuyama's translator has the greatest job on the history of the planet? It's so good, man. It's so good. <laughs> he flies all over the world. I'm betting he makes bank. And you know what he does when Hideki wins the golf tournament? <laughs> He translates three questions. Also, Hideki can speak English, so he doesn't even have to transfer the English 
translate the English to Hideki. He just translates Hideki's Japanese back into English yeah. for the listeners. It is, it's got to be the cushiest gig on planet Earth. Oh, and I bet he get, gets a fat paycheck for oh, it. Oh, you too. know he does. You know he does. That guy, I mean, you know he's just chilling, playing golf. Yeah, I'll see you in four hours when you're done. Yeah, because like everybody notices <laughs> when you watch the interviews with Hideki, like whoever it is, Steve Sands or whatever, Steve Sands asked the question. To it, Hideki. It doesn't have to be translated to yeah. Hideki. Hideki right. understands English, and Hideki can speak some English. He just not isn't comfortable enough in his second language to talk to now, 20 million people in English. Let me ask you this, you know, and I don't want this to come off in the wrong way, but how much bigger of a star in America would Hideki be if he did speak English? Uh, he would probably be somewhat of a bigger star because he'd probably have more endorsements and stuff like that. I don't think he wants that. I mean, he, he was a guy a couple years ago on record of saying that he liked living in Orlando because people didn't know who he was. He, 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 you know, he, loves, he loves home and he loves Japan, but in Japan he can't go to the grocery store. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I, I think he likes the anonymity of, you know, hey, I'm a golfer, I make a bunch of money, I do endorsements back in Japan. As far as over here in the States... I don't want anybody to know who I am. I want to be able to go out to dinner with my family and nobody talks to me. When I think about his personality, I always think about that picture of him in the airport after he won the Masters. Oh, just so good. sitting by himself with the green jacket. So just holding over the, the green jacket. Chair. Can you imagine like you have to get him to go to the bathroom at the airport and you're like, hey, can you watch my stuff? <laughs> He's just got a green jacket hanging over the back of the chair. Another thing I was just thinking about, guys, when you're talking about translators... What if a translator just says something way different than what the person actually said? <laughs> like, what if, what, if he, what, what if a decky's just cussing the whole time and the yeah. translator's like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that. That would be a great inside <laughs> joke if they had that going. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely airing these in Japan, too, these right. interviews. So they and would there's know. people in America that know Japanese as well. Yeah. You there don't are. just have to be from Japan to know Japanese. There are, but it would be funny if he, like... Uh, Basically, like, if he threw a dig at Russell Henley being a big yeah. fat choker or something. <laughs> and, and everybody in Japan, everybody in Japan is just laughing. And then the translator comes on. He's like, yeah, it was just a really great tournament. Great finish at yeah. the end. Everybody fought hard. Henley played really great. Russell great Henley. player. Yeah. yeah, Henley played really great. You know, just all that good stuff. So, what did you find on Hideki in terms of playing the best golf of his career? We're a long ways away, guys. 2017, he was gaining 2.13 strokes overall. So far in 2022, where he's won twice, gaining 1.63. Wow. Um, one of the biggest differences here, guys, so I didn't really... But does that factor in, does it matter, like, is he on pace as far as, will those numbers go up the more tournaments he plays well in? Uh, well, right now he's only played in six starts, so the sample I mean. size is fairly low. When you win two out of six times, your stats should be pretty damn good. Right, right. And, and looking at that, last year, 2021, where he won the Masters, may I say... Only gained 1.2 overall, so almost a full stroke less than 2017. But wow. big difference here, guys. We noticed how great his drive was in 18. 2017, he gained 0.66 um, off the tee. So far this year, only gaining 0.32, so that's 0.3 strokes around off the wow. tee. But that's also pretty, small pretty, sample size. That surprises well, me, Well, though. I say that, but the year before 2021 is 0.35, and okay. then 2020 is 0.42, and then 2019, uh, 0.48. So he's actually gone down every year just a little bit. With but what about the putting stats? Uh, minus 0.34 this year. Last year, minus 0.3. Three five. Um, actually, the year that he so he's still losing shots on the field putting well, total for the six tournaments he's played in twenty seventeen. He actually um he actually lost about the same amount putting. His ball his driving was good. Obviously, like we mentioned, his ball striking was point uh, point nine strokes around. Um, this year he's getting point about point eight strokes. And he's so won not that twice. Much. And he's, he's losing shots on the field. So, so he was playing the best golf of his career in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yes. Right. But that, that's when he was doing, number two. But he's on pace to. But, well, and also, I mean, you know, you win a Masters. You get the respect. I mean, you get the respect whenever you win a Masters. By the way, y'all know how old Hideki is, right? 30. 
About to be 30. I couldn't tell it. He's 29. about to be 30. 29 yeah. years, 11 I mean, months. You can swear, swear he's 38 because he's been out there forever. And and yeah. also because he was a phenom. He's one of these rare amateur phenoms who kind of meets expectations. You know, a lot of these amateur phenoms, number one amateur in the world and stuff, they just kind of have so-so careers. Um, not Hideki. Hideki's having a great career. He turned Hide- pro in April of 2013, nine, almost nine years ago. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's unbelievable. That's wild. By the way, February 25th, 1992, he was born exactly one year to the day away from my wife. February 25th, 1993. So, Do you guys remember back in the day when people thought Hideki wouldn't be able to close down the stretch because of the pause in his backswing? <laughs> and yes, I remember the conversation around the pause in his backswing. I, I, I will say his his pause was it did used to be where if he got in contention it was like a little different timing each time. Yeah, but now it's it's not the same anymore. It's the, it's a little it, less it, of a pause now though too. It, it, his pause overall is less, but the difference is is that look at the timing of the pause from a Thursday morning round to a Sunday afternoon round, oh. and it's a lot more in sync. Where a few back twenty fifteen or twenty thirteen we turned pro. There was not a full second, but some millisecond differences between a Thursday day and a Sunday round. His especially his attention. Also, kind of going to that point, looks a lot more fluid down the stretch as well. Not as uh, because there used to be a pause in the putting. There stroke. used to be a pause in the putting stroke <laughs> yeah. that was about as long as the pause in the full swing. Uh, while we're doing Hideki fun facts, we already did age height. Any guesses on how tall Hideki is? Six foot. Mm, I'll say. 5'11". 5'11", Tyler, big winner, yeah. big winner. Big I was going to say six I want to re- I, I recount. I uh, want- <laughs> by the way, you can be the big winner. Is this shoes or without shoes? You can be the big winner. If you go see our friends at Ring Family Dentistry, Ring Family Dentistry treats families of all ages. All ages, they are a family business. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading edge technology, delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years. All decisions are made by the patient. They work with what they have, save what they can, and replace what they can't. They will not overtreat if they can't show why treatment is needed. They will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patients. Go see our good friend at Ring Family Dentistry. Uh, gentlemen, Corn Ferry Tour underway down in the Bahamas. Uh, looking right now, conditions tough. Tough. Always down there. Yes, the wind just blows and blows and blows. So right now they're in the second round down there, and five under is leading. Uh, and friend of the show, Michael Gellerman, he is five under on his second round, which gets him two under for the tournament after an opening round 75 in strong winds. He is T13 right now. So a good start for Michael Gellerman uh, as we look to have some of the local guys have some success on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. What? Real quick, before we get off the, uh, you mentioned Michael Gellerman, and obviously we had Josh Creel on with Michael Gellerman. We need to wish a get well soon to our guy Josh Creel, who is stuck in Hawaii, had to withdraw from the Sony Open because of the vid, and he's stuck in his hotel room. I'm sorry, I just, I (laughs) I saw Kobe laughing. All all of my best wishes are with Josh Creel. I can't not laugh when you say Hawaii. Hawaii. I can't (laughs) not laugh, but Josh Creel, yes. He's trapped in the hotel for one more day? He and then he has to test negative Thursday, right? I thought I thought he said or Tuesday. I thought he said he was getting tested on Tuesday, maybe. Okay, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn yeah, for him, but something. He's currently stuck in Honolulu, and and you would think he would soon. have some great view in Hawaii. He is in Honolulu, and he has a beautiful view of a parking lot. <laughs> That's all we can see is a parking lot. It's uh, yeah, not ideal, not ideal. But he every- just he just sent a text uh, to our group text and said, "Boys." I'm bored. <laughs> well, you think in theory that, you know, if you're going to get stuck somewhere with COVID, Hawaii sounds like the best place. But when you're a golfer, uh, 
you must go play this next week, you know? And so yeah. he's in, got cabin fever, man. So well, especially whenever you're a rookie on the PGA Tour and you're wanting to get starts and you're wanting to get points and do all that stuff, that's that's a tough break for Creel, uh, the new dad. So hopefully he'll get yeah. feeling better and get back over here to the continental United States. Uh, we've See got the new baby. Yep. So uh, some other names of note down on the Corn Ferry Tour, some of the local guys. Uh, Garrett Reband shot 84 in the first round. I'm telling you, conditions were tough, tough, tough. Uh, Jonathan Brightwell shot 80 in the first round. That wind was seriously blowing. Uh, let's see. I saw another local name. How did uh, Charlie Saxon was playing pretty good? Uh, Saxon was playing well. Saxon's one under. He shot 71 in round one. He has yet to tee off in round two. Data Golf had Ekro as uh, the highest percentage to win this tournament. Uh, he's, he's three under through nine today. Shot 77 yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just tough first round. Uh, Christopher Ventura, Christopher Ventura from Oklahoma State, he actually shot 70 in the opening round, much better than the field average. Four over in his second round when scores seem to be a little bit lower. So, Ventura backpedaling just a little bit. Did you say Hirschman, Colby? Uh, I, I had not seen Grant Hirschman. He shot 73 yesterday. He had okay. to tee off today. It looks like uh, 69 was the lead after round 68 was the lead after round uh, one. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Bahamas, it's going down. Uh, hopefully, one of the local guys will crack through. Maybe Bob Gellerman can get himself up there in contention. Let's take a break. Come back on the other side. We're going to talk about this Netflix series that's coming out uh, with guys on the PGA Tour. Kind of emblematic of what they did with the Formula One series that had such huge success. So can't wait for that. Uh, we'll also talk about our picks, how we all did this week, and get out of here on a Monday. Stay with us on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org right now. GolfOklahoma.org. Make it your homepage. Set yourself to go there every time you log in, get signed up for the newsletter, all that good stuff. Big year of golf in the state of Oklahoma as the PGA Championship makes its way in just four short months. The PGA Championship will be here. We're excited to be down in Orlando at the PGA Merchandise Show next week with Ken McLeod from Golf Oklahoma. Going to be an absolute blast. We'll be giving you some great coverage from down there. Speaking of great coverage... Golf is trying to grow the game and build more fans. So, Netflix 
embarked on a project a few years ago with Formula One where they essentially went behind the scenes with all the teams, all the drivers, all the races, gave you a never-before-seen look, and what it's done has grow the audience of F1 like you would not believe. TV ratings double this year in America what they were previously. Uh, it just It's been a massive success, and now the PGA Tour and Netflix are doing something very similar. Netflix will create a documentary following some of the best players in the world this next season. Uh, inside the ropes, behind the scenes, all this stuff. It will continue throughout this year at PGA Tour events, the players, and all four major championships, including the Masters. And I don't know what that means as far as behind the scenes looks at Augusta National, if you get to see anything in the locker room or on the practice areas, the chipping greens that are hidden back in the trees. Don't know what it means for any of that, but this is a big deal for the PGA Tour. Taylor, you've got the full list of players that are going to participate. Just go ahead and rattle that off real quick, and then we'll talk about some of the names that are left off of that list. Abraham Answer, Daniel Berger, Cameron Champ, Joel Damon, Tony Finau, Matty Fitz, Mr. Skill, uh, Fairway Jesus, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Harry Higgs, Max Homa, Victor Hovland, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Kevin Na, Mino Pereira, Ian Poulter, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, and uh, world amateur number one in the world, Kita uh, Nakajima. Yeah, who, by the way, was in contention through 36 holes at the Sony this week. Uh, names not included. Tiger Woods, obviously, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and world number one, John Rahm, as well as reigning PGA Tour Player of the Year, Patrick Cantlay. You mentioned five of the seven uh, top players in the world are there. The two who aren't, Rahm and Cantlay. So some big names missing, but I also saw here that this series is actually being produced by the same media studio, Vox Media Studios and Box to Box Films. That's the same media companies that produce the Formula One series. So I'll be very curious to see how they do it. Because part of what made the Formula One series so cool is the electricity factor of the fact that they're going 200 miles per hour and they could explode at any second. Golf doesn't really have that. Golf is a little more laid back, a little more subdued. I don't know. what Taylor, what is a storyline that you hope to see from this Netflix doc? What, what is something that you hope to get a look at that maybe we haven't gotten a look at before? I, I really like to see how... I want to see how all these players handle a normal week of a tournament. I want to see what guys are, obviously Bryson's not on it, but what people are going out to the range at 8 a.m. and getting done at 8 p.m., what guys are, you know, just kind of going out playing nine holes a day. What are they doing after their rounds? How do they handle early, late compared to late morning when, when it comes to scheduling? What do they do if they're in the lead when they tee off at 2 in the afternoon on a Sunday? What are they doing for six hours when they wake up? I think stuff like that will be cool. I just really hope that – a lot of it isn't just like fabricated to make entertainment, you know. I hope yeah. that they don't like. Like I was reading one thing on here said that they uh, like the Formula One. They might have faked rivalries or something like that to create drama. So I just hope that they don't do anything for like that. I just want to see what actually goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, to me, it's I'm gonna be interested most to see how real guys are on here because I know quite a few of these guys behind the scenes, and I just hope one guy is as real as Taylor Gooch is you know, when he comes on with us. Was Kisner Kisner on the list? Because Kisner will be real if he's in it. Let's see. 100% Kisner. I do not see Kisner on Do you think that there will be any drama? Uh, I mean, there has to be a little bit, right? Just for the show aspect of it. And the reason I say that is... Unfabricated drama, where a guy just legitimately does not like another guy. Right? Man, I really don't know. But that F1 series was... I mean, I'm telling you, the creators of that show emphasized every little dramatic everything. It was... Non-stop drama start to finish. And 
that's kind of what draws people in. I will say this, okay? I haven't talked to Taylor Gooch specifically about this week yet, okay? But I did talk to one of his best friends, okay? And he said that he talked to Taylor about it, and he said that Kevin Na is actually a really nice guy, <laughs> okay? But he, <laughs> he just does some quirky things on the course that some people might not enjoy. He is a quirky guy. Right? And so, and so there's no drama there between Taylor Gooch and Kevin Na. No, but the little six-second clip but, where Kevin Nye asked him to scoot over a yard. But I just had to say that as the disclaimer. I hope Kevin Na is on this show so I can just he show is. the world. He is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is he? Mm-hmm. I hope that he's on the show so I can just show everybody what I mean when I say that he is the biggest, more than Bryson, more than Patrick Reed, biggest douchebag <laughs> on the PGA Tour. Kevin Na... You, do you not, think that's going to come not, off in the documentary, though? Because not, I don't. This is not Taylor Gooch's thoughts. This is my thoughts. Kevin Na is the biggest douchebag on the PGA Tour. See, but I think he'll put on a show for the cameras, and I think he'll come off really likable in the series. He'll come off as a family man. I, I think he'll or come he'll off, come off, off a, really fake, and I'll hate him even more. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. He's one of those guys that, you know, I feel like non-golf people – are going to end up being attracted to him when they watch the show. Because like a lot of non-F1 people watch. I'm sure some non-golf people will watch this and might be attracted to him because he's got the big smile and he's got, you know, walking in putts and all that stuff. Golf people, it's like, <sighs> he plays so slow, man. It's just, it's so slow. They were, Gooch plays incredibly fast. And I don't know if y'all saw yesterday, people who were out there on the course, they said there was an entire hole in between them and the group in front. Like, they were putting on five green, and the group in front of them was in seven fairways. That's what, Thursday, that's what Tucson's is one of the fastest players on tour. That's on what Thursday, yeah. Kevin Nod took a minute and 48 seconds to hit a putt, and he putted last. That's a that's a big problem with Kevin Nod that people were talking about this Without week Without a greens Twitter, reading book! Is yeah. that when he putts last... There's your answer about greens reading books, by the way. He still takes two or three minutes when he putts last. If you're putting last, 30 seconds. Well, and uh, you, that's a good point there. You you take longer when you're first compared to last. Kevin Na's not the longest player out there. So he's usually hitting, going to be hitting first, even if he hits the damn fairway. So that's just going to slow it up more. And for someone like TG, uh, a lot of people just noticed in the first and second day, he had to play with him on Sunday, too. That's three out of four rounds. <laughs> three out of four. the slowest player on tour. Three out of four. God bless. No wonder TG. Um, I think he played probably the best he could with those circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see how real people are in this. Uh, but the look, I mean, guys, if we get any any little glimpse behind the scenes at the Masters that we haven't gotten before, I mean, we're, we're all just going to eat that up. I think that this was kind of the compromise between – the players on the PGA Tour and the PGA Tour trying to get some behind-the-scenes stuff because I think for a long time the PGA Tour has wanted to do stuff like mic players up, and the players do not want to be mic'd up because right. the, only I wouldn't thing either. That it, the only thing that it can do is hurt those players. Yeah, No, I wouldn't and want to so, be mic'd up during a round of golf. And so I think this is kind of a compromise situation where you get some behind-the-scenes, but you're signing a contract saying, I'm okay with this. Right. Well, because the contract is with Netflix, and that's part of Bryson's not in it. And the the quote that got the big headlines was that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just letting other guys do it. That'll be, you know, an opportunity for guys to grow more more so than me. But I thought the quote kind that was more... Kind comment. <laughs> well, kind of, yes. But I thought the quote that was more telling that isn't getting near as much love because it's not as much of a headline grabber. He said that there's a lot of factors going in on that. One, there wasn't a deal that was struck that was very well for my side of it. So Netflix tried to reach a deal Another with Bryson. Kind of <laughs> well, no, but not I thought, enough money, and let's just let the, the little people go do it. But I thought that that was very. 
very insightful from Bryson that he essentially said my time that I would have to put into that docu-series, my time is worth more than what Netflix was going to pay me to do it. And I think that that's pretty insightful as to, you know, I mean, Bryson puts a lot of time into his speed training and his his weight room stuff and his his golf. He's just like, you know, for what you're going to pay me for this, it's not worth my time. And I, that to me is more insightful than him saying, yeah, I'll let these other guys go do it's it. It's insightful into his mindset for sure. And it's also insightful into the fact that he can't just say no. He has to say no and then make a big headline. In, in his defense, he was he was directly asked about it. Okay. Well, he, he, like, he didn't release a statement. He was directly asked about it. And, you know, here's my take on it. So, <laughs> I'm reading off the, the names that are here, right? And, you know, it's like, uh, Bryce would probably fit this mold anyway, but I feel like if he was in this, they would totally portray him as to be the villain. Because, especially because since Brooks is doing it too, they could have totally feed it off of that. But seeing on here, I don't know who else they would they would pick to be a bad guy. Reed's not in here. Um, I think Kevin Oz going to come off as a family man, like I said. <laughs> I mean, you could, go, you could go off with Poulter if you want, but I think – Poulter is a likable bad guy. Like I, and he's, I he's got the nice fancy Pol- cars and all that. Yeah, stuff. I've rooted against Poulter my whole life, but I don't dislike him. And you know, here actually would love him if he was I, on the American side. I hate him. I hate him in the Ryder Cup. But one thing that you mentioned, Colby, about the Gusts, I think is a good point. It's going to be different from the PJ Tour events compared to the majors because they're different entities. So PJ yeah. Tour tournaments are going to go behind and say, "Well, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can do it from week to week. You get to a major at Augusta. No, 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 no. You can't come in here. You know this is this is private property. That kind of thing. So I think you got to worry about that. But here's another storyline that I think we'll take from it. There's going to be a few wives from the PJ Tour players that steal the show, in my opinion. Whether it be from their attitudes, the way they look, whatever it be, I think Ian. wives are going to be the stories of the tur- of, of the show. I, I truly think that. How about that point from Tito? Tito from the top rope. That's a hot take. But, okay, so you speaking so, of hot takes, <laughs> you you said DJ's in it, right? Yes. And uh, okay, so of wives. Okay, so uh, here here's the way I'm looking at it, right. So you're going to show this Netflix series. It's not going to be just to golf fans, right? It's going to be to all fans. So what do people want to see? You're going to see – you want to see long drives. Okay, they can only do that for so much. You want to see drama, like you said. Or you want to see pretty people. And I think that that's the easiest one to pick right there. Speaking of pretty – is Brooks in it? Brooks is a pretty person. I mean, I think a lot of these – I would, I I would these be men, shocked if Brooks didn't do is it. Is Brooks in it? Yes. Okay, okay. And Wait, it has a list of guys that are in it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he ran well, off a second ago. Yeah. You, were oh, like, you were looking at a text from Bob and, or something. Oh, okay, and, yeah. And here's another thing, too. I'm just talking about the, the wives or whatever. What if they show the players working out and stuff? Right. You know? Sweating big bods, all that stuff. That's going to be enticing to people. <laughs> Brooksy! <laughs> Brooksy! I want to see Kevin Na doing a sweaty workout. I do want to see who's who's the less fit. I want to see Abe answer in the gym. <laughs> all, right. all right, we're down a rabbit hole. Let's do some trivia. Let's do some trivia, I want Sam. Fairway Jesus in the gym be cool with the, with the hair. I'm in. I'm in on Fairway Jesus. All right. What about me. Lucas Glover's wife? Hit me with a trivia question. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. That escalated it, quickly. That escalated quickly is what Lucas Glover said when he got home last night. Gosh damn it. I thought I was bad for saying wives would be good I know. That's show. terrible. No, I, I, I'll just I, literally shit on my thing. I can't believe we're going to air this out to the public, but we're going to. All right. I come into trivia with a commanding 5-4 to four lead with... 11 and a half months to go. <laughs> okay, so we're doing three a day, right, to, to fill up the whole week. Uh, there's two really easy ones today. Okay, good. And, and there's one really hard one. Okay, I'm, I'm in for all three. Okay. Who do many call the professor? I'm not even going to give you any. I'm not doing multiple choice the for professor. this one. Professor. The, what the Why fuck? don't I know the professor nickname? The professor. 
Why am I drawing a should blank? I, I'm going to notice this. Should I give you guys multiple choice? Why, multiple why, why am I not knowing this? Give us the multiple I'm choice, and then we'll probably both get it. Danny Lee, Cameron Tringali, Jared Lyle, or Bryson DeChambeau? Oh, Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, Bryson, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking I, I, back the, in, like, golf history. I call him the scientist. Like, who calls him the professor? I was thinking back in golf history. I was trying to pull a name from, like, the 70s. If you would have said the scientist, I would have got it. All right. The yeah, no one calls him that. The professor. Yeah. But when it's the multiple choice, it's easy. Yeah. That's why right. I wasn't going to do it. But. Right. All right. Well, we were both going to get it wrong. We both got it right. I so love multiple right. tests or multiple choice if, tests over filling the blank test. <laughs> this one, if you don't get without multiple choice, uh, you should be kicked off the 73rd hole. Which, you should be kicked off the tour, Doug. <laughs> which men's major is always played on a Lynx course? Oh, boy. That's a tough question. <laughs> Here's the question. Is it listed as the British By Open the way, or the Open are, Championship? That's a great question. For, is for it British any- Open or Open Championship? <laughs> okay. All right. That's the question. All right. Here we this go. This is an American-made calendar, right? They're going to have a list as the British say, Open. I got to say it's a list as British, too. There's no way they say Open Championship. They're going to list it as the British. I say British Open. Yeah. I, say, I think they list it as the British they Open. They did list it as the British Open. Yeah. It's an American okay. calendar. Stupid Americans. It's an American trivia calendar. All right. Here's the hard one that I've never heard before. British Open, they played Northern Ireland like two years what ago. Are errant, <laughs> yeah. What are errant shots from players who don't yell four called? Jackasses? <laughs> no, what are the shots? What is the actual oh, the shot, shot on the people? Okay. From players who do not yell four called. Yeah, we're going to need the multiple choice on this one. Six? Bag rats, jumpsuits, flying snakes, or ducks? The hell? Flying snakes is my guess. I have no idea. <laughs> the The word is four, so I'm going to say duck because it's one word. What? <laughs> Wait, what I like was the that? logic. I like the logic. <laughs> no. Four is a four-letter word. Duck is a four-letter word. It's a duck. Apparently, if you hit a ball... Flying and, snakes! ...and do not yell four, your shot is considered a flying snake. Ooh, let's go! <laughs> I also love how Kobe's leading this, but literally all the ones he got right are just fucking guesses. <laughs> <laughs> eight to six, commanding lead. Beep. Eight to six, commanding lead. See, I cuss whenever I lose. I don't like losing, no matter what it is. Even it's a stupid trip. This is why Taylor couldn't be mic'd up playing golf. Can we leave that in and just beep it out? Absolutely. Okay. We'll just perfect. throw a beep over, dude. I cuss if I hit a good shot. <laughs> That's like, a great there's point. no win-win. That's a great. Can you hit a good shot? You get, that is so bleeping good. So who's winning? Uh, I'm up eight to six, commanding lead. <laughs> yeah, it's just because commanding you, lead. You're just more knowledge. Can I give you nine so we can have six and nine? <laughs> I mean, I'll no, give you an extra. When we point. do trivia on Wednesday, I'm sure we'll if get. I, if we'll if, get to the if six I get nine, another thanks. one right, I'll give you an extra point, so you be six to nine. Okay, fair enough. Fair just because I'm a nice guy. Uh, did we miss anything? I think we pretty much. No, the volcano. Touched the, t- I want to oh, talk yeah. about the volcano. And don't and don't forget about your cowboys. Yeah, you did we miss Kobe, anything? Kobe, Kobe he tried to get out of here early. He tried to end the show after that debacle. Don't forget about your cowboys. What are your thoughts, Colby? I on, see, on the volcano or the cowboys. You know my thoughts on the volcano or the let's, cowboys. Let's well, go well, cowboys first. Are you going to be able to talk about the volcano if you talk about the cowboys? I, I'm Maybe gonna, cowboys and the volcano. I'm going to interrupt talking about the cowboys. Mike McCarthy is the dumbest dumbass of all the dumbasses. <laughs> I don't understand. First off, he tricked Jerry Jones into giving him the job. 
Do you remember all the BS whenever he got hired by the Cowboys about how he went and lived in a log cabin? The McCarthy cabin. system He or went whatever. and lived in a log cabin for a year and did nothing but study the game. <laughs> he just studied analytics, and he studied situations, and he studied clock management, and his dumbass runs the quarterback <laughs> up the middle with 14 seconds left and no timeouts, hey, and you get zero shots to hey, the end zone. That, make it make sense. That's not all McCarthy's fault. It's also the dumbass quarterback that they're paying $70 million who can't go down a second earlier well and and by the way the 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 offensive line and the quarterback are is this your first time trying to spike the ball at the end of the game you don't get to spot the ball find an official give him the ball let him spot it and then run the next play i do think though that that play is overshadowing what was 60 full minutes of the most (laughs) undisciplined incompetent display of football from a more talented team that you might ever see in your entire life. The coaching mismatch was so obvious by the discipline of the teams on the field. Dallas, in the second half of just the fourth quarter, the last seven minutes of the fourth quarter, there were three penalties on Dallas's defensive line. They got two holding calls on run plays on the defensive line, and then Neville Gallimore, boomer freaking sooner, baby, takes, his, <laughs> takes the palm of his hand on a third down, sticks it into the center's face mask, and shoves it to the freaking jumbotron. It was the most unbelievable display of incompetence I have seen in an incredibly long time. Colby, I have never once rooted for the Cowboys until yesterday because I picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. Well, that was your fault because Mike McCarthy is their head coach. (laughs) Mike McCarthy accomplished the absolute bare minimum that any human being on this planet could accomplish in a decade with prime Aaron Rodgers. They got to one Super Bowl. (laughs) They won the one they got to. They only got to one. Aaron Rodgers could... My wife could be the head coach and Aaron Rodgers could get to the NFC Championship game. And this bum Mike McCarthy out in his log cabin with 10 years of prime Aaron Rodgers gets to one Super Bowl and then they have 14 penalties yesterday. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. He's completely incompetent. I think I'm actually more upset at the idea that he's going to be back next year than I am at how that game played out yesterday. I root for the Cowboys one time and I gain the utmost respect for all Cowboys fans for having to go through that crap. You're in and you're out and you're in and you're out and you're in and you're out 25 times over again. Right? 25 (laughs) times over again. At least the Eagles' problems are simple. They just suck. Like, the, the, the Cowboys are good, but they still suck. Yes, that's the problem. The problem is they're good and they suck. I told my parents yesterday, we've been remodeling this bathroom. My parents were up here Saturday. They were up here yesterday. We finished our work. We watched the game. They're loading up to leave. And I said, you know what? Y'all really were great parents, but if you had one flaw... It was raising me as a Dallas Cowboys fan because now I have to endure this pain every single year of my life. I told my mom and dad, I said, at least y'all got to go through the glory years. I'm born in 1992. I was three when they last won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's been nothing but mediocrity my entire life. And now, I mean, uh, I just... Here's my question, Kobe. Like, because you brought up the penalties earlier. And everyone talks about how bad the NFL officiating is at times. They didn't get any calls wrong. Literally, every call was so obvious, it was, it was so unbelievable. Obvious. It was like, you didn't throw the flag earlier for that? Like, Ra- they tackled Gre- him to the ground. Randy Gregory, Dallas can get the ball back with a minute and a half left. Randy Gregory on a run play away from the ball, he just bear-hugged an offensive lineman and tackled him. Yep. What are you doing? And then to top it all off, your $70 million quarterback, I mean, he, also, he said congratulations to those fans that 
through the water bottles. Yeah, he's an bushes. idiot. He's Col- an idiot. Kobe, do you have you do you watch every Cowboys game? Yes. In its entirety. How many how many punts <laughs> disgusting. How many punts have ever hit the the scoreboard? It's very rare. It's very has it rare. ever happened before? Though? Yes, it has happened before. It's just you, it's just a do over. You replay the down because when the punt landed, I thought to myself, "Did he shank it?" But it went <laughs> straight, and then they showed the replay. Every so often, when they're punting from around midfield, which apparently they do a lot because they're idiots, they try to kick it super <laughs> high for their coverage unit to get down there, and then it hits the underneath side of the jumbo trunk. Also, also, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to my, stand my up. Man, my man about fell over my in his chair. My cord is dude. stuck under my chair. Jerry Jones spends a billion dollars to build a stadium, and we've got the sun shining so bright through the west end of this stadium that Cedric Wilson can't see a ball at the end of the first it's half. So God can dude. watch the. America's team. Sam, it cost you three points in a playoff game. They could have attempted a field goal at the end of the game. Your billion-dollar stadium with a window on the west end cost you three points in a playoff game. That's what a billion dollars gets you. It's like the window makes the sun brighter if that was possible. I mean, God bless. Hey, I just have to say one thing. A lot of people were coming at me on Twitter yesterday saying I was switching up teams. No. You were, bro. No, 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 I am an Eagles fan, but I said Tom Brady will win this game because I've always said he's the GOAT. So that's a win-win situation. All right, let's go to the Cowboys game. Let's go to the Cowboys game. I was full on the Cowboys. Why would I want to hop on this bandwagon? <laughs> and people are saying I'm I'm a bandwagon fan. Why the hell would I want to hop on that bandwagon? I'm not a bandwagon Cowboys fan. You hopped on it though, Sam. How was the ride? It was short. <laughs> it was a win-win. Because <laughs> so, I thoroughly vol- enjoyed <laughs> listening to this. Can we talk about this volcano before I have Hold a seizure? On. Hold you, on. you are the volcano, Kobe. <laughs> And then people want to come to me about the Chiefs. They're my Chiefs. They're the I'm they're my AFC team. I lived in Kansas City for five years. I'll say this. You went to UMKC, so I'm okay with Kansas City being your secondary team. They but are. I don't want you rooting for my Cowboys anymore. No more betting on them. It's not like no it's more protecting them to win. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want you rooting for my Cowboys. I want to experience this pain alone. Out in the wilderness by myself. What a beautiful day. It, it was playoff Sunday. We even had a playoff. Oh, it was not we, a beautiful day. We even had a playoff. <laughs> we even had a playoff at the Sony Open, the first 73rd hole of this. the year. Hideki cheered me up. That three wood was gone. Did you notice how many Cowboys fans were tweeting about Hideki trying to change the subject on Twitter? <laughs> you, and, you and Caleb Price, you and Caleb Price tweeted 20 times about how sexy that Hideki shot was. Just to get your mind off of Mike McCarthy. That's exactly what I was doing. That's exactly what I was doing. I was shifting my focus because I was going to drive myself insane if I thought about Mike McCarthy for one more <laughs> second. For one more second. Uh, hey, and at least you guys uh, are going to lose your offensive and defensive coordinator probably. <laughs> so you get try, Mike McCarthy, the best part of your coaching staff. Let's just try <laughs> the exact same roster with all new coaches. Every every coach is new, same roster. See see what happens. Hey, at least I, your coach throws it to your good receivers. Nick Sirianni <sighs> doesn't ever even throw it to Devontae Smith. Well, Jalen Hurts might have the weakest, most inaccurate arm of any quarterback. Oh, don't in the get league. me started. He's terrible. He, I mean, honestly, he's not the future. I, I haven't seen a court, an NFL quarterback with that little velocity on a ball. Top five fantasy quarterback, though. Yeah, but you can't have a those running, running yards, man. They the add playoffs. up. We got a volcano that happened besides Unless Kobe your name up. is Kyler Murray because he's just built different. Yeah, the uh, volcano that blew up <laughs> that you could see from the satellite in space was okay. pretty intense. Let the people know about this. And 
Tell them that they have to go watch the video. I mean, it was Saturday it. morning, wasn't it? It was in where? Where was it? Like Tonga? Tonga. Where, right where by, is Tonga? Right by Fiji. Fiji's just Shout a little. Shout out Fiji. Is northeast of uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So out in the Pacific Ocean, I mean. The Ring of Fires. It, yeah, it caused 12, a tsunami. 12 miles high. It was an underground volcano eruption that created a new landmass. It was an underwater volcano eruption that created a new landmass because the eruption was so intense. And you can see it. You literally could see it from space. That's why the video from space is intense. And did you see that wave? It looks like a nuclear explosion. Like it, yeah. like the old, uh, whatever the little experiments they did were called, where that you can see them from overhead, and it's the mushroom cloud coming yeah. up. It looked like a nuclear explosion. It was insane. What is, I mean, how scary is nature, guys? Seriously. Could you imagine Damn if we nature, were... nature, you scary. If we lived an hour from that, would we be here? I have no idea. It's a good thing it happened, like, way out in the middle of the ocean. I mean, obviously, Tonga took the brunt of it because the tsunami came when through. When stuff happens in the ocean, I just kind of think that it's not real life, and I don't even think about it. Because I don't want to think about the ocean too much, because right. if I do, then my head's going to erupt. Yeah, the like other the day, volcano. The other day, somebody said, I, I don't even remember what I was watching or listening to, and they were, like, they were like, you know, we know a lot more about the moon than we do about the ocean. I'm like, God, that's... Yeah, we, know, we don't know anything about the ocean. It's wild. How... Yeah. Um, Here's a good question for you guys. They said that they felt uh, waves in Hawaii on like the docks from the boats from this th- from this in Tonga. I don't have the exact location where the volcano was, but how far do you guys? This is a flight here because I can't fit the miles. How long do you think a flight would take from Tonga to Hawaii? Just in eight hours. hours. Eight hours. I was gonna say, yeah, seven seven to ten hours probably. Probably three thousand miles. This right here says it would take one day and one hour to fly there. What? What? And they felt them in Hawaii? You know why that is? It crosses the international date line. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's uh, 5,038 kilometers from Tonga to Hawaii. So, so, it is, so, it's, so, it's, so it's, nine, it's nine hours is what it is. Because a day and nine hours is because they go backwards a day. Speaking so of So, nevertheless, volcanoes. nine hours away flight, and you can still feel waves. I was <laughs> close on the mileage, though. From Tonga to Hawaii is uh, 3,130 miles. Wow. Dude. Speaking of volcanoes, I mean, Hawaii is a volcano. Okay, here, we can't show this to our listeners, but look at this. Sony Open. How stupid is the damn international dateline? Look at the way this thing's shaped. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) I never know. Look at that. I I never knew that. Like 200 miles uh, uh, west of Hawaii, then you go a little bit south. If you're dead parallel with Hawaii, it's a different day. What in the world are you doing? International dateline. They they gerrymandered the international dateline. They really did. (laughs) It looks like a damn anvil. That is the most craziest thing I've ever seen. You, you guys are getting a, an education on today's 73rd All world. right. And, uh, and Colby, you, you got up a point earlier when we were talking during the break. You think that the oceans are the scariest part of the universe or of the solar system that we know of? of? What we know about. They have to be. I will disagree. I will go with the methane lakes on Titan, which is a moon What did Saturn. you just say? Methane lakes on Titan. Look it up. Literally, lakes are made of methane. What is Titan? A, mo- a moon of Saturn. You uh, go to the methane lake and you get a sample. And I'll go deep into the ocean, and I'll bring back a monster, and we'll have them fight. Uh, do you you want to know what kind of monster lives in Methane Lake? I, That'd be pretty I, intense. I, I want to know what kind of monster lives at the bottom of the ocean. The Kraken. But you can't even see it. If you got, if you got down there, I mean, you wouldn't even be able to see it. Any, myth, any old creature like Loch Ness Monster, uh, Kraken, all that stuff, they, they existed at one point. What'd you say? You <laughs> said any old creature, and I said Jerry Jones. By the way, Jerry Jones yesterday, <laughs> I got an update from Bleacher Report, and it said, uh, Jerry Jones says this is the worst loss in memory. And I'm like, oh, no, poor Jerry. His memory's going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we go through this every perfect year, way, Jerry. Perfect every way to year. end the show. All right. Where are we stuff. next week? Uh, California, the American Express. All right. Yep. 
She'll be fun. Which was worse, this game or the Dez catch game? Oh, man. I, I think the Dez catch game was worse because I actually thought that team could have won the Super Bowl. I don't think this team... I, I never thought that this team could have won the Super Bowl. I thought that team could have. Sam thought differently. Sam thought they were going to the bowl. Well, huh? I thought they were. Well, but I, they, they let me down. I hate Mike McCarthy. That so Those darn cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I am so <laughs> upset. <laughs> we're back Wednesday. <laughs> Sorry about you, Colby. 